Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Sam Page and Jennifer Rucka. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And the color of the day is green because we are joined today by a New York Times bestselling author whose book is called Gorgeously Green. Of course, that's not the only thing we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to, like, you know, put out word to everybody. If you don't have anything green, I, I actually don't, so I have to find something. But <laughs> I, I have a green screen. How about that? I got a green screen behind me. That's yeah. pretty good, you know. You know, so today is green. Today is all about the green. And, uh, you know, if you don't have your green on, well, you're just not with the program. That's all there is to it. <laughs> but uh, no, Sophie Uliana is joining us today. And Sophie, first of all, thank you for joining us from Los Angeles, where I think it's a whole lot warmer than it is right here in Hartford, Connecticut. I, I hope it is, I would think. It is. Oh, yeah. So that's good. It's that's cold. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I think we just uh, lost Sam for a minute. Oh, he, he, he's got audio problems, so he's going to reconnect. Okay. So while he's reconnecting, Sophie, give us like a little bit of biography. How did you get to the point where you decided to write your book and... I know that there's stuff that you've been through. So, like, give us a feel for what has been in the life of Sophia Liana. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. Um, thrilled to be here. And please cut me off if I talk too much. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I really do mean that. We, we've um, been fairly warned. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have full permission to interrupt, by the way. Um, yeah, so um, let's see. So I think your question was kind of a little bit of kind of why I wrote my first book and how I got, got into it, I think. So um, really, I I think like most of us, I uh, all roads led to, you know, a, a certain time of our life where I felt a calling and a pull to do something, to share a message, basically. And this, the message that I wanted to share and communicate at that time, which was way back 2008 when I wrote, wrote my first book or 2007 when I wrote it was very much this wake up call for uh, really primarily for women, but to uh, um, really motivate women to take care of themselves and the environment in a different way. And so understanding this was before, by the way, being green or sustainable or anything like that was trendy. It was so untrendy at the time. It wasn't even funny. It was like, right. if you were talking about kind of green living, you were thinking compost toilet off the grid, <laughs> slightly strange weird people, that kind of deal. And so my mission at that time was like, I want to make this so fun and engaging and gorgeous and just you know, everybody just wants to do it. And so that's why I wrote my book, because I understood the connection between health as a woman at the time. I was at, at a very, you know, uh, small child and I was a young, you know, young mother. And I just understood the connection between our health and the environment. And that honestly, that, that there is no separation. The two are so closely related. And so I became very, very passionate about that. That's very good. Very cool. And and you'd also um, gone through some stuff of your own back when you first started having children. Tell us that story. Well, you know, when I first had my daughter, um, I was uh, when I was pregnant, actually, this was before really before the age of kind of go too much Googling and searching and all of that business. It was it was I mean, my daughter's. 21 now. So we're talking mm -hmm. like 21 years ago. 
it's just amazing, isn't it, to think how things have changed. <laughs> it happens fast, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I just got the sense that, that something was off, that everything was not quite right. And particularly as a pregnant woman, when you become so hypersensitive to what's around you, what you're putting in your body and what's around you, I got the feeling that hmm, there's a few things that happen that I'm like, this is not, this is a little scary. And so I started doing, I started researching in, in what little way you could at the time. Mm. And as I started uncovering and going down that rabbit hole, then more, really, I'm a researcher at heart. My passion is research. And that's really driven all of my books. And that research um, took me to a place where I really understood that we have this body burden and that the body burden, our, ba our children, our babies are born with a body burden. There's really no getting away with it in this in environment that we now live in. And, and really, how can we minimize that? Hmm, okay. And, and it was motivated in part because of your own experience, but also in part because of the research you were doing. It, was a, it sounds like it was a combination of the two. It was, because I think like everything, when we understand something, Right. And when we when we educate us, education is everything. It's just like, oh, mm. oh, oh, <laughs> what, really? Oh, my. What? But and and really, it, I was lucky, Walt, because when I was researching and the kind of research I did, it was really before the kind of Internet, the, the sort of uh, information overload. So there weren't too many kind of crazy places to go with misinformation. It was really like you went to PubMed. You went to very credible sources of evidence-based science. So I was lucky that I didn't have those distractions. It was really, you know, but I was, I, I've always been that way. It's just like, I, I'm, I'm very driven to get to the bottom of what, of the evidence, of the evidence-based science as it pertains to pretty much everything. And what was true. it all yeah. that you were studying? Like, were you studying for for eating, working out? Like, what all? Oh, uh, that's a great question. At first, it was really studying the effects on really chemicals in the environment or thing, you know, pollutants in the environment and how they can affect how we put pour those pollutants out there unwittingly, and mm -hmm. and how it comes back at us because it's in our water, it's in our food, it's in our you know everything that's in our homes. So that was my main, that was the first piece of research that I really got into. And then since then, over the last 15 years, I've, I've gone, I, I've studied many different areas. Most, I think my biggest passion is food. I'm board certified nutritionist. And so that's the area that, oh, that I evolved into, that that was the area that I really enjoy because I love, you know, teaching I love teaching on, on, on how to it to get into optimal health and, and, and through nutrition. So do you even have recipes that you write about as well? Is it like, Oh yes, I've been yeah. writing recipes for years. I have, I have a YouTube channel and I have books and things like that with hundreds and hundreds of recipes. So I, I'm not a trained chef or, 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 but I'm definitely a, um, a very passionate, passionate cook. And, and I do, I, I'm always um, doing recipe development because I work with um, many, many uh, clients. And, and so I'm always developing recipes. Like how can we, and my, my recipes are always born out of how can we solve this problem? It's like right. I, 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 either how can we fix 
you, you, you want this and you're craving this. Let's make a version that's just absolutely as delicious, but super healthy. Or you don't have time. So let's figure that one out. Or, um, you know, so it's all around. I come at everything with there's a problem. Let's solve it. And, and recipe development, I think, is for me, is very much like that. Sounds odd, but that's it. And then very often, I mean, I love that. I think for all of us, you know, that our, our, our seat of creativity, you know, a beautiful seat of creativity always comes out of, of um, trying to figure out a challenge. Right. So that's that's the same for me with recipes. And you're doing a 14 week program as well. I yeah. saw online you're doing right. Yeah. Do you? incorporate eating and everything like what's it is i mean absolutely the the, i would say the main not the main thrust of it is very holistic so i i i'm a great believer that you can't just take one area of your life and expect to get a sort of you know complete result so it's it's all the different areas of somebody's life because it is holistic and so it's everything but but i would say that an 80%, if anybody comes to me and they go, look, Sophie, I really, you know, I'm, I'm, they're suffering with health issues and, and many women I speak to really want to release weight. I would, the first very simplistic thing I would say is, is it is 80% of the heavy lifting is going to be your nutrition. Yeah. But I would say that even within that, it's all very well to say that. Right. And then most people are like, okay, but but what? All right. You say that. And now what? And so there's 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 a way that I specifically put it together. But also there's a lot of mindset required within that, because Mm -hmm. I, I, I believe that it's very it's very hard for somebody to make some significant changes in their life, some significantly healthy changes, particularly in the environment that we live now. And I believe it really does require some 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 a, a massive mindset upgrade for whatever. I, I think Sam and I we're, we're both waiting for that word. I mean, because we t- we talk about right, Sam. I mean, we talk about mindset a lot. And so when you brought up, was like, okay, there it is. Now we got there. I knew it was going to come pretty soon, but there it is. It, it, honestly, well, it, 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 there it is because you can. There's all the strategies that we can have in the world, you know. Right, and this has been my own very personal experience as well. But without changing me and knowing that my mindset, you know, dictates my thoughts and beliefs, you know, really dictates 90% of my behavior and creates my world, then mm-hmm. without that, I'm, I'm really not going to have any kind of long-term results. And that's just the way that it is. That's really key too, because until you recognize that the tendency is to want to look outside of ourselves and say, well, the problem is out there. I got to fix what's out there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. Here's the problem. It's the way that I'm eating or I'm not exercising enough or I'm doing the wrong recipes or I'm, you know, whatever it is. Again, as you said, it's just that's there. But wait a minute. Let's let's really look at how we're creating, how you're creating that reality. And also on a much deeper level, it's just for me, it's really realizing and what I've really grown to realize and, and understand um, as I've got older is that my thoughts, you know, my mindset and beliefs uh, create my body. Of course they do. And then, and that's both scientific and very, you know, much of in any way you want to look at it, whether, but that's, of course they do. Every thought I have creates a, a reaction in my body, a hormonal reaction in my body. So my body has become my thoughts. 
Yeah. Well, hormonal, emotional, mental. I mean, is there an aspect that isn't involved? It's kind of hard exactly. to name one, really. A hundred percent. Yeah. So is there yeah. is there a set routine that you do every day, like a ritual that you wake up and you do mantras? Because even just how you speak to yourself, like you're saying, is so important. Mm. Right? That's um, such a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, yeah. Can you start your day or go about the whole day? Even? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have, it's absolutely non-negotiable for me. And I have a, a morning uh, ritual that I do every single morning. It was funny. I heard something on, I can't remember. It was maybe a Saturday Night Live skit the other day. I think it was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, I can, wish I could remember. And I think it was a sort of Amy Schumer kind of comedy sketch about, um, you know, almost making fun of a complicated morning mindset ritual kind of thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, you can make fun of that. But if it's life changing, it's kind yeah. of life changing. And so make fun of it all you want. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I have, I have a ritual and I do every single morning and, um, it is the most important part of my day. It is the most precious part of my day. My life, the wheels fall off the bus without that. Yeah. In one way or another, even if it's just not having such a great day. So I get up, I get up early. Um, I get up at about 5.30, 5.45, which is early <laughs> for me. And, um, and then it starts and I, and I always, always do prayer and meditation. Always. That's the most important thing. Really, I think I can encapsulate it into its stillness, its finding stillness. Mm -hmm. And I found, used to find that a little bit odd because it seemed a little counterintuitive that it's like, well, you've just been asleep, you know, and that was still, do you know what I mean? And now you're waking oh, yeah. up and you're in that alpha brainwave state. But I found that the bet, the most powerful time for me to ease into that very, that seat of stillness is when I'm in that still in that alpha brainwave wave state. So I love it when everything's quiet and it's still a little dark outside and the dogs are still asleep and my husband's still asleep and the house is, and then it's delicious for me. It's like, oh, and then I'll get my hot, you know, green tea or my lemon water, or whatever I'm drinking, whether it's, you know, depending on the season, and then I'll sit down and I'll really move into that stillness. And sometimes it's a little bit different because I like variety within that routine that discipline so sometimes i will be drawn to a certain book or a certain reading or even something that i've written and it'll just i'm just literally drawn to it and they'll be like okay let's just i'm just going to read it it's just to me it is so beautiful that if the intentionality is there which it always is for me and the belief that i always find whatever i need is always brought to me and it always is. So it's almost like that book. I can be scanning a bookcase and I'll be like, that's what I need this morning. And then I'll open that and do a little bit of reading. And then I'll take that into a meditation. Then yeah, I'll, often, I'll do some journaling because I want to anchor things. I like to anchor distinctions. I like to do, do a little bit of journaling. It doesn't have to be a big deal. And then I, and that's how mindset wise I start my day. And then I get into all the other rituals that I do. That, that mm -hmm. what you described, how you, you were, you just kind of picked that. You could look over and look on the bookshelf and just pick that book out mm -hmm. and know that that's the one that's got the thing. That what you're describing there is what a researcher ultimately learns to do. They learn to tap in, so to speak, and get a sense of, okay, I need to go in this direction. You know, when you're first starting out doing research, you're kind of all over the place. Just, you know, try this, try that, look over there, ask a question, all that kind of stuff. 
But as you get better and better at it over time, it does become intuitive. And that's what you're describing. You're, you're describing the intuitive side of the research. And mm. it becomes invaluable because now you're getting a whole lot more research done faster than you were getting done before. Mm. Thank you for that. I've never thought about it as being that way. And that's incredibly useful. Thank you. I've never had that that perspective on it. But it's so true because as a researcher, you have got to get really part of I probably being a skilled researcher is to really dig in and find the strands that really matter and right. then put those together. So on a sort of more technical and scientific level, absolutely. But I've never really put that to to that mindset piece as well. So that's well, pretty helpful. Uh, honestly, that that was me tapping internally to <laughs> to what was going on, because I really didn't even know I was going to say that, honestly. <laughs> and and I, I, I was just really intrigued by what you were saying about you know, the research, and then you, you brought this piece in about the mindset, and it just came together in my mind. Mm -hmm. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't preform it. There was no note. I didn't have a, an outline that I was following. It just kind of came together almost as I was saying it. But mm -hmm. as I was saying, I said, well, yeah, that's exactly it. So mm -hmm. thank you. That I appreciate the validation. <laughs> and also just building on that and stacking on that is that, you know, we're all researchers. We're all searching. Exactly. Right? And so that, that, and I think part of that and what I really teach my clients as well is to really trust their intuition and to trust their, I'm going to, I'm going to use this now or their, their sort of inner researcher because there's, and I am so passionate that it can't, you, that it, to move into this place of stillness first is the most important thing because otherwise for me anyway i'm in sort of beta brain and then it's busy brain and then <laughs> because of the world that we live in now it gets so distracting and i can be distracted probably like anybody i can it's it's addictive the distractions mm -hmm. and so now even more than ever and i've seen this this uh, distraction addiction grow within myself over the last you know 10 years um, but now even more so, I, it's even more important for me just to, to really dedicate that time, you know, to whatever, whatever you will call it, spirit, God, higher self, quietness, silence, consciousness, whatever anybody wants to call it. I think we all know what that is mm. that we can only access in that place. Uh, Sam is an improvisational pianist, really famous oh, yeah. pianist. And and Sam, I, as she's describing that, I'm thinking that's part of the mindset you have when you're playing, right? Oh yeah, definitely. It's like uh, just kind of getting out of my own way, like the, getting the ego out of the way and just allowing it to kind of flow. Yeah, and yeah. and and as you do that, you are also a researcher because you're looking for you're looking for that feeling of okay, what's the next cadence? What's you know, what, what's the next glissando? What's what's the next musical uh, essence that that you're going to include? Because you just you tie into that intuitively. Absolutely. Like, I never thought of it that way. But as soon as you said that, it's like, yeah, because when I sit down to play, I'm kind of like trying to guess like, oh, does this work? Or has like seeing how different things work and right. kind of experimenting. And, and, and feeling it, feeling it through. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Of course, that's what Jennifer does all Je Jennifer, like you, is also a coach. I mean... Uh, so I'm also curious to hear, you know, what kinds of stories you guys have to share between you. But Jennifer, I mean, you you tap in too, right? I mean, when you're oh, yeah. when you're working with a client, that, that's you're going inside and you're and you're checking with yourself and saying, okay, where's the next place I need to go? Yeah, it is, um, and it's interesting. Even just picking up a certain book, 
I'll do that with whatever books are in front of me at the time, but I'll open it like an oracle. And it's like, wherever I open it, that's what, that's what I'm aligned to hear <laughs> in that moment, in that uh, particular time. But what I wanted to ask you too, Sophie, is sleep. Like, did you ever have problems with sleeping before you shifted everything around to this holistic lifestyle? And if so, um, did you get better? Mm. Or does it with your clients? Do your clients ever come to you with sleep issues? Mm. They, they, they do. I, I would say 50%, if not 60% do, because most of um, the, the, my clients are women who are in perimenopause or menopause. And so then with the, the shifting hormones, you know, one of the symptoms is disrupted sleep for sure, you know, with right. hot flashes and, and goodness knows what else. And I think even... Well, it's a perfect storm, isn't it, in, in perimenopause and menopause, because it's not only the hormones and everything, but also our lifestyles, you know, that, that, that most women I coach, and I'm sure is the same for you, Jennifer, is, you know, they're, they're very, very busy, very stressed, very, a lot, you know, more than is natural or healthy to the, that we're all contending with in our life. And so, yeah, there is sleep disruption for sure. And, and I'm, I'm a really, really, uh, I would almost, I would say adamant for myself and, and, and I, it's an invitation to my clients to really get that dialed in because, and it's so interesting you brought that up, Jennifer, because without sleep, well, if you're in sleep debt, then it, I mean, my, the thing that I help women with most is with weight release, releasing unwanted pounds. And there's such a direct correlation between weight, sleep debt and cortisol release. And then that leading to kind of belly fat and midsection, you know, all of that. So, you, yeah, it's it's enormously important. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I think, you know, Jennifer, and you probably, you know, feel the same way as a coach, is that, that with, like with everything, you can't just say, well, you've got to have more sleep, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to go to sleep. Even you've got to go to bed earlier. Or you've got to do all the usual tips, like mm -hmm. turn off the blue lights, make your bedroom a sanctuary. And, you know, we know all those tips. That It's not rocket science. They're all readily available in almost every book that's ever been written or <laughs> video on sleep. Mm -hmm. But the key is to engineer your entire day and to look at all of your circadian rhythms throughout the day because everything has to be attended to, because everything has a knock-on effect. So it's not just a matter of going to bed earlier. It's how do you how do you set up your entire day? It's almost like the morning is more important. The morning will dictate your evening, and then your evening will dictate your morning. So it's really dialing in both those aspects of your day. But I think bookending the day is 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 very, very important. Yeah, that's one. And then there's supplementation and there's certain things that you can do, strategies that, that, that can be very helpful. Um, but I think setting up the bigger picture to do with your circadian rhythms is the most important thing. I love that because it is like a cycle. Like I know for me personally, I'm like you, I got to get up in the morning and I like to just simply sit in nothing. You know, <laughs> well, actually one thing I will do is I, I'll go on YouTube and I'll find, um, I'll find different sounds of, uh, fire crackling. 
you know, like somebody has a Ooh. fire lit outside. And I just listened to that in the background. So the fire's crackling and I just close my eyes and, and I like to just simply be amidst nothingness because mm. how often we drew and I'm like you, like I love to pray in the morning. I have conversations with God or if you want to call it the creator um, or meditation. And I do the same thing at night. So like how you were just saying bookend the day, I was like, so beautiful way to put it because that's exactly, you know, what I do to, otherwise I, I do find my sleep is nuts. You know, I'm, I'm up a lot and I, and I really have to have to bookend my day like that uh, as well. So that there's this, you're coming out of bed. Yes. But it's about setting the intention and grounding back into your body on an energetic level and then do it for throughout the day. And then the same thing in the evening. So important. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a t it's it's a tough one. I have to say, I wish there was a sort of magic, you know, cure for that, um, which doesn't involve a pharmaceutical. But it's mm -hmm. it's it's there's a lot of you know, tweaking and 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 again, I think almost like for everything, there's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Everybody yeah. is so different. Their lifestyle is different. Their physiology is different. Their health is different. So there's there there just simply isn't a one size fits all. When do you do retreats sleep. or anything, Sophie? You know, um, I used to before COVID, and and I used to do wellness retreats regularly, actually. And um, but then I stopped doing them, obviously, in in um, during COVID. But actually, it was it was actually uh, a I'm happy that I did because what I found was I love wellness retreats. I love them. And it is such a, a place for connection. It's, it's that in-person connection that's so beautiful and powerful. But the one thing that I found was that women would come on a retreat for maybe three days and then they'd go, Oh, that was amazing. And I'm just completely, um, you know, feel cleansed and reinvigorated and excited and passionate and blah, blah, inspired. Go back, get on a plane, go back to their life. And then within a week, life happens. And mm -hmm. and then they're just oh, and it just slowly just everything goes out of the, 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 the door. So that's one of the big reasons why I really wanted to create a program which really is about setting up every day and and especially setting up your day. Sorry, my dogs. Oh, it's not like I thought my dog was there. setting up your day, um, especially when things are really going sideways, because that is life, isn't it? For, for, for us and, and things are going to happen and challenges are going to happen. And so that that shift from, oh, everything's perfect. And we're here in the desert doing yoga and drinking green juices, you know, and we're all like namaste and everything. <laughs> and you get back and you face the people and you face the triggers that got you that to that bad place in the first place. So yeah. my new way is let's bring the, that difficult bit in now and let's deal with that. Yes. That's what I do. Yeah. That's really, really good. I, I agree. I, I, love, I love that because what you're really doing is you're saying, I'm not going to try to eliminate these triggers and negative association things and so forth. I'm going to find a way to deal with them and maybe even embrace them. 
It's an entirely different way of looking at it. Uh, entirely. And I can see Sam because what we've sort of brought into this conversation a little bit, and I loved it when Sam was talking about the flow of the, of the playing is that in, in, um, not resisting mm -hmm. them. Thank you for saying that and, and, and bringing mm -hmm. them in and allowing, then we get to kind of unpack it and tease it out. And, and I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer, for you as a coach, that's very much, you know, what you do as well. But it's really, you know, what I, I think, you know, way, way back in the day when I was probably, I don't know, my 20s, it was the kind of Louise Hay sort of positive thinking, right? You know, it's like, okay, a positive affirmation right away. You know, you've got it. And now I that couldn't be so far from what I do now because I believe that those affirmations and mantras and things, while they can be useful, they are negating the negative, which has to be unpacked and dealt with. So there is flow and allowing and embracing to your word, your lovely word, uh, Walt, in order for the healing to occur. I also want to mention, I've really loved your term, release weight. Uh, that, that, that's very carefully crafted, and I very. love the way you did that. Yeah. It's very carefully because, you know, it was actually a client of mine, and she, she said it uh, uh, one, on one coaching call that we have, I do group coaching calls. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and she said, you know, Sophie, she said, I've released this weight, which means that I am, it's gone. Mm. It's gone. And she said, if I lose something, then I'm going to go and find it again. Go find it, yes. <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, give me a pen and paper. I've got to write that down now. Because it's so true, isn't it? And the women that I work with, it's just, it is. They lose and then they gain and they lose and then they gain in this awful cycle. But in order to really release something, you're not just releasing the pounds. Another client of mine really recently said, which was so beautiful. I do a sort of graduation when, when, when my clients graduate. And she said, you know, Sophie, she said, in every pound of fat that I released, there was a story. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, there was a story. Yeah. Not only was there a story, but there were payoffs. There, there were trials and tribulations, but there were also joys, and there, there was a whole bunch of stuff. And protection, and protection. many, many yeah. reasons for that being, being, being there exactly. So that's that was that's it, really. That's the crux of it. What also, about you? We're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Jennifer. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. All right. Um, what I was thinking of is when you guys were talking about um, your, your morning and evening routines and, and enjoying the stillness of it and the silence of it, one thing that occurred to me was uh, it, it's not all that long ago for me, maybe four or five years ago, um, I had all kinds of chatter going on in my head. And it would happen from the moment that I woke up. Now, I know what I went through and, and, and what ultimately worked for me to eliminate that chatter. But... I'm curious, first of all, did you have any kind of issues with chatter like that? And if you did, was it the meditation that helped you get rid of that? Or was it some other activity? How, how did you get the, the chatter out of the way? Because until you get the chatter out of the way, it's not going to be quiet. Mm -mm. Well, you know, for me, the chatter is, is just a thing. And, and so I think my approach is not to try and get rid of it, but to actually observe it and listen okay. to it and see it. And so um, I love to, I like to observe the chatter. 
I love to hear what it's saying. So, you know, we, we, we have a name for it. We, we give our, we give our, that part of us in my program a name because it's often that part of us, whether you want to call it the ego or the, you know, whatever it is, but it is that voice that will, you know, is not very kind a lot of the time. <laughs> no kidding. Really? Oh Let's my be honest. <laughs> and, and that chatterbox of mine, she does push-ups while I'm sleeping. So I can go to bed with this beautiful intention and affirmation that wake up in the morning and first thought is like, it starts. And so for me, what I found, I think, I think, well, I spend, yeah, I've been meditating for about 30 years. And so I, the time, the fit, and you know, for those, you're all meditators here, I think. And so, you know, how you sort of go through phases with meditation. Oh, yeah. And the only times that I've ever really found meditation unpleasant or struggle is when I start, when I go into that phase of any kind of shoulding, like mm-hmm. I shouldn't be thinking, I should, I should be able to yeah. be quiet now. I shouldn't be mad at this person. I shouldn't be, you know, or, or you know, whatever. And then it's just that, that then I get back to time and time again, that it's just beautiful just to sit in the stillness. And Jennifer, you mentioned it, the presence and to just be in presence and mm-hmm. to observe. Mm-hmm. and watch and see what she's saying because it's only by seeing what she's saying that I can actually see the ridiculousness of it the lies the, untru- the you know and always questioning so what are my uh, my clients to do is you know a very big part of the work we do together is becoming very aware it's becoming super super aware of that because when you become aware of that then you can really understand the stories you're telling yourself and you can really understand the meaning that you're making about things. And it's only by having, being able to witness and observe that, that you can change it. Mm-hmm. So back to that thing of positive thinking, that's why I really do not believe I found that positive thinking, positive affirmations, or trying to get quiet and stop thinking, none of the above work. Mm-hmm. It just creates more resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting you say that. Yeah, because uh, the, the method that I used to overcome it, um, although, like you said, you, you, you didn't try to overcome it, but I tried to overcome it. That was my approach. Uh, and I did it using mirror exercises, going back to Louise Hay. She's the one who advocated the whole idea of mirror exercises. And I've told the story many times. Um, but ultimately, that, that did calm the voice and quiet it to the point where it, it virtually went away. And I realized why it was. It went away because it was really my own insecurity coming out. And the mirror exercises helped me build up my self-confidence. Well, when, once you build up your self-confidence, the, the insecurity kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. So I, for, for me, it was more just a case of the voice stopped torturing me because I felt better about myself. <laughs> Can you describe, I'm very curious. One thing I just want to say is when you said that, your kitty cat just I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but put that that little paw on your shoulder and gave you this little <laughs> beautiful nudge. It was so sweet. But um, I'm curious, would you, can you talk, I'd love to know what, what exactly specifically, how do you do those mirror, how do you do the mirror exercises? Well, I've, I've told this before and, and I'll, I'll tell you how it started because it's my way of making it easier for everybody else to do it. Um, my first day doing mirror exercises went something like this. <laughs> I love you. Oh, God, I can't do this. That, that was day one. <laughs> day two was a little tiny bit better than that. Day three was a little bit better. And after about a week of it, I was feeling a little more comfortable and like I could do it. And okay, I can handle this stuff. Uh, by around the second week, 
I couldn't tell you what it was, but there was something that was changing. By the end of the third week, I had a glimpse of what was changing. The voice hadn't stopped. It had gotten softer. The volume had decreased. And by day 28, I was, it took me a while to recognize it. And I realized, wait a minute, where did the voice go? I was so used to it being around. I just kind of assumed it was always there. And that day it was gone. And it has since come back and, and gone and come back and gone. It, and it finally has over time gotten to the point where it's really just me talking with myself. It's not me torturing myself anymore. Mm. So because of that, I can now feel like if I want to have the voice, I can have the voice. If I don't want to have the voice, I don't have to have the voice. It's, it's now my choice rather than my victimhood. That's so beautiful. So you actually say, I love you. You have a mantra where you're actually talking to yourself and saying, I, 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 I through like gritted teeth the first time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it is, and it's almost, I don't know if, you, um, if you've, heard read i'm sure you've you've heard of but read um it's mel robbins uh book uh called i think it's called the high five and oh, and right. what she does is sort of um kind of version of that which okay. is hers is going to the mirror i think every morning or evening or multiple times a day and literally giving yourself a high, high five okay. uh, which is great because yeah. we don't you know, a big part of what I do with my, uh, you know, work on with my clients is really celebrating ourself, your, yourself, because it's so embarrassing and awful and nobody wants to, to do it. As you said, it's like, oh, you know, and, and yet if we, I always say to my clients, if you don't celebrate the small wins, you mm -hmm. won't have big wins to celebrate. It's true. So it's just those little, little, but I love, that's, I love that you shared that. That's just so fun and that you get a choice. Do you, when you, when the other voice comes back, when the critical or the sabotaging or whatever, how do you handle that? Do you remind yourself, okay, we've, you know, gone time to go back to the mirror or, or how, how would you handle that? I think that's kind of where I go to what you were talking about listening to it and trying to getting a sense of what it's trying to tell me, appreciating the message. And in that appreciation, that's what silences the voice because mm. that, that voice really just wants to be heard mm. and acknowledged. Mm. Actually. And what's interesting is that it's only by giving it the opposite. It's almost like a bully, isn't it? It's yeah. only by standing up to the bully, if you like, and going, um, you know, stand to one side, I love you. So, you know, I love you. You're giving yourself that. But right. it's only by doing that that then the bully is kind of really going to show up. Otherwise, it can just sort of stay in the background and just quietly keep on coming up behind you. But I love for you. You're like, okay, I'm saying I'm taking control now. I'm driving the ship. And I'm going to, this is how I'm going to, you know, acknowledge myself and love myself. And this is how, what I'm going to do. I love that, that you're standing up for that. And that's, well, you, you know, it's also, uh, I mean, the phrase is, I love you. And it, as we all know, the power of love to overcome hatred, fear, fill in the blank, whatever your, your favorite low vibration, um, emotion is, um, love overcomes all of that. So mm -hmm. when you start, even if, even if you don't really feel it yet, when you start using the word associated with that feeling, 
and giving it to that voice that's been torturing the heck out of you, it creates a disharmony within the voice. All of a sudden, the voice is now getting a vibration it did not have before. It's it, so true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, so you're basically, it, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like countering a, a, a wave. Like you have a wave that comes through. If you send a wave in the opposite direction, they, they kind of cancel each other out. It's so true. And it's almost like I think of, uh, are you parents? Or do you have children? It's much like, you know, if you've got a, a child or a teenage 14 year old daughter, <laughs> that would be the one. But you've got that voice that's saying this and this and this. And I, you know, little children and, and that, and I hate you, mommy and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, if you come to that with, I love you. I love you. I hear you. And I love you. And you're just validating and loving. Then just as you've said, that voice gets discordant. It does. It, it, it sort of, there's a, it's like it gets, it is a discord. It, it, it can only go on so long. Mm. And that's really what it is. It's, and yet, you know, cause I talk so much about how we parent ourselves, you know, whereas if that voice within, we're like, you shouldn't feel that way. You should be really positive. You should never talk to yourself like that. It's like mm -hmm. saying that to a child and they're going to just argue with you. Mm -hmm. But it, as you said, you just come to that with absolute love. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and the word should too. I love how you're, you, I, I, one of my favorite phrases is don't should all over the place. And when you're describing the way you're describing, I think to myself, by having that little phrase, don't shoot all over the place, and having it in my, my conscious to semi-conscious mind, I now am aware anytime I find myself thinking should something, you know, I, I, I should do this, I, I should be doing that, I, I, I hear it consciously. And by hearing it consciously, I can stop myself and say, uh-oh, I'm shooting again. How do I rephrase that? What can I turn that into? And, and so I get out of the trap. In a way that I couldn't get out before because I didn't realize I was in a trap. Yeah, it's such a trap. The should trap is an awful trap. Oh, yes. It haunts an awful lot of us. <laughs> and it doesn't bear results. If it got anybody anywhere to get them where they, they wanted to go. Should. Well, that's part of it. actually does bear some results. I mean, there's always a payoff. It's not necessarily a healthy payoff. No. It's a, it's, <laughs> but, but there's always a payoff. Otherwise, yeah, the payoff you, is otherwise like you wouldn't to, keep doing it, right? 100%. I, mean, I yeah. get to carry on. Feeling guilty. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. And what's and I get the to justify that? Well, I, I can justify that now all day long. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's amazing. So we, I love this. Will you tell us a little bit about your book, Gorgeously Green? Like, I'm so curious. I just want to hear you talk about the book a little bit and yes, walk us here. through yeah well it's an old book don't forget jennifer it was yeah. written it came it launched in 2008 so i just want to yes. be very clear about that yeah. but it was um it was you know it, it you know I, I i would imagine that you you love to to all of you or you're interested or aligned with with the sort of with manifesting right and creating yeah. your your reality mm -hmm. and so this really was an example of, of of that because i had this idea and i was so passionate about it and i didn't know how i didn't know how to get from a to b no idea it was like mm -hmm. i've got this idea 
I'm going to write a proposal. I know what I want to write in it. I know how each, I just know the content. Never written a book before, ever. And then I, but I just, this is, you know, how I manifest is that it's like, okay. So I'm so connected to this passion, you know, and this purpose and this thing that I, that I believe is, you know, I'm just in flow when I'm thinking about it and when I'm writing about it. And so I will get into inspired action and I will just do it and do it and do it and do it. And right. This isn't really answering your question. I know Jennifer, but I just felt called to explain this process. And so, um, so I, I, I just did it. I just showed up every single day. I just showed up and I had to keep surrendering the how, because if I had got too caught up in, well, how am I going to sell this? How am I going to get an agent? How am I going to get a publisher? I don't know anybody. I live in Los Angeles. All the literary agents are in New York. How am I going to sell it? You know, yeah. but I just absolutely just surrendered that. And it was just like I got on and did, you know, what was in front of me. And and then, but at the same time, I held this vision, which was more of a feeling of of feeling that this that this book was really going to have a very, very, very wide audience. And I was very, very committed to that. It was like, that is my desire. I don't see this as being a little niche book in Barnes and Noble sitting in the gardening section. I see this as being, you know, really reaching women kind of globally. And that's it. And and then I just did it and I showed up and I took the action. And it was amazing how, you know, the, the, the you know, in creative intelligence, just put all those pieces together, brought the right people in the right time. And there was a time when, you know, when I was writing it, my husband said, well, I was crying one night at the kitchen table, just going, I'm just so frustrated with this. You know, nobody's going to, not going to get this to read this into the hands of the people. And he just said, look, you know, you, even if we have to sell it from the trunk of my car at the local farmer's market, we'll get it out. Don't worry. We'll get it out there. And I got a very, really supportive husband and he's just emotionally incredibly supportive. And so anyway, the, the, the powers that be, you know, the, 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 Thing, just got it into the hands of Oprah and the rest is history. Yeah. So the actual book itself, <laughs> to answer your question, is, um, is, is really, it's just simple steps. So it's simple steps to live a greener way of life. And, and, it, and I kept it really simple. And, and actually, it's a good reminder for me because I tend as a researcher to want to complicate things. I think that's my Achilles heel is that there's so much that I want you to know that I just tend to put too much in to everything I do. And so what was really great was that I had a wonderful editor, which was my husband. And he, as we, I was talking him through the book, every single thing that I would say, he was, he would say, I don't understand. Don't understand what you're talking about. And I go, well, what? I'm tell, I'm explaining it to you. And he's like, nope, nope. And he would go back to almost being like almost uh, channeling his parents in South Georgia sitting there, not having kind of any understanding or inclination towards this. And he's got it like, it's got to pass the Joe and Bobby test. It's got to pass the Joe and Bobby and Georgia test. And I'm like, okay, I'll try again then. I'll try again. And he's like, nope, still too complex, still too complex. Boil it down. I want three actions that I can take. Okay. And that was the process that we did. And actually it's reminded me because I did a lot. I spent like 10 years doing TV segments. Mm -hmm. um, on, you know, crafting uh, TV segments for all sorts of different, you know, TV shows. And it was the same thing. You know, the night before, I, my, I'd say to my husband, can I just go through it with you? And he'd go, sure. 
like, okay, <laughs> sitting in the kitchen, put everything happens at our kitchen table. He's like, okay, go on, hit it. But his patience would be so thin that I knew that I had four <laughs> minutes to, to, if I could get him in four minutes, I, it, I'd nailed it. And so he's been amazing for me because he's just helped me with my complex ideas and my passion to want to tell you everything. So I got to get that message. And, then, and he would even say, okay, I'm Joe and Bobby. Not only that, but I'm totally distracted. I'm cooking. I'm on my social media. I'm on my iPad. I am not. You still have to get through to me. Were, like, you, okay. <laughs> were you coaching before you wrote the book? Or did that come after? I No. I, well, I've coached for a long time. I've been a mindset coach for many, many years, actually. For really almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so... That's something that's always been my love. And I've done, done it in, in many different capacities, mentorship, you know, very much in a volunteer capacity as well. And so, um, so that was, then I sort of put more of my writing researcher hat on of those years of writing. And then I think I just came full circle to in the last three years, really, to like know my biggest joy and love of my life is really coaching because there's only so much that you, I think that you can really learn in a book or a YouTube video or something like that. It can definitely be a little, you know, spark that can go off. But my, my bit, my true joy is really helping women to really find a deeper transformation. So that's why I love coaching. Yeah. What's your driving factor with coaching? What is it that, that you love that, that just makes you say, yeah, that's, this is what I really enjoy doing. Um, I think it's that I love to see the shift. I love to experience and see or facilitate because it really is not, you know, I can't drive that. I mean, you know, I'm just with that there as a, you know, in coaching, because it's, it's interesting because I sort of almost wear two different hats because I have my consultant hat, which is my um, nutritional consultant. And then there's my coaching hat. And they're two very, very different hats to wear, even within one session with a client. So the nutritional coaching is obviously, here's what needs to happen and here's what you need to do. But then coaching is really sitting back and really listening. And as we've all spoken about today, and and, and uh, Jennifer, you mentioned, is getting that hunch, getting that inspiration, which can, I believe, can only really arise through being very present. And it's being very mm-hmm. present with another human being, so present that you can hear something or see something that they can't. And mm-hmm. so I can, I love having the ability to stand outside somebody else's story and being able to see what that is and see their blind spots and help them to edit that and change that story and that facilitate therefore a shift. And that's really what I love to do more than anything else in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that, me too. Does that sound familiar, Jennifer? Yes, 100%. Yeah, and this, I was just saying with a girlfriend um, yesterday, you know, when there was a moment um, where a client of mine had an epiphany, and um, I, I energetically stall programs, so to speak. So I work on distant healing level, and then I also psychologically help clients process what's happening as I'm doing it. But there was a moment ye- yesterday where that client had a breakthrough, and I get so happy. Like, it's like I win the lottery. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I won the lottery every time. And so as you're talking, like, that's, yeah, that's my my cup of, to use your word, Walt, love. 
you know, every day is when I do have those breakthroughs with clients, there's nothing that feels better to me. So that's when I know that I'm in alignment with my purpose and doing what I'm supposed to be doing here mm. at this time. Anyways, I'm not a fortune mm. teller, but at this time anyways. So yeah. That's so true. And, and I think also because I always have mentors and coaches, I always have had since I was, you know, re when, since I was in my late teens and those mentors and coaches and the right one comes in at the right time and they have dramatically shifted and shaped my life and mm -hmm. given me those paradigm shifts when I needed them along the way. And I still get coached because I really believe that unless I'm participating in that part of my journey of, of evolving, then it's really hard to give that away to somebody else. So as you were talking, Jennifer, I was thinking, yeah, it's so true. It's not, it's, it's loving seeing the shift in mm. an, in a client. Mm. But I think my ability to do that is because I, I experience those shifts within myself mm. and have to, because it's, I've never got it down. Never. Yeah. Never have I got it down. Never have I realized. Never have I figured it out. Ever. I'm just figuring it out. <laughs> I feel really in alignment with you because even in my book, I write about how I travel all over the world. I still do to find different healers and energy workers and coaches because we never get it done. We never finish learning anything. So there's always more layers to peel back and to expose and to become raw and to keep educating ourselves and a hundred percent. So I'm 45 now and I was looking at your website and it's like, you coach women over 45. And I'm like, okay, I fit into Sophie's bracket. I, I <laughs> just, Very soon, I just yes. hit that age. <laughs> so yeah. You're, you're so beautiful. I mean, you'll be in every way, you know, you're, you're just, oh, just beautiful inside and out. Oh, thank you. Hey, Sam, yeah. I, I want to ask Sam, because when we were talking about, uh, or specifically Sophie, when you were talking about how you've always had mentors and coaches in your life. And I, now I know some of the coaches and mentors that have been in Sam's life, but Sam, do you find yourself relying on coaches and, and mentors as you as you trans, you know, as you journey through your life? <laughs> At, in the past, like up until this point, I have definitely felt like I have, but um, currently I, in a way, could be relying on them more because there's a program that I in that has coachings each month and I kind of forget to use them, but it's nice mm -hmm. to have the resources available with, um, as they are. So kind of yes and no. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to, to skip the coaching part, skip the math. Right. <laughs> right? You need to set a little timer in your phone, Sam. It goes off <laughs> on your calendar in your phone. So it's going yes, off. Um, yeah. The hour before the appointment. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I just keep forgetting to schedule them. It's like, because it's on us to schedule them. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll do it. And then it's like, oh, wait, all of a sudden it's the next month. <laughs> so, so I guess what you got to do is you have to take the phone to schedule a time for you to schedule things on your phone. Exactly. So you can... <laughs> One one notification to schedule, another for when it is scheduled, and it's that's scheduled. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but but my point is that it's very easy to forget this part. <laughs> forget to, to forget. I mean, I actually I'm really very grateful for the fact that I've been doing the show all these years because I get wonderful people like Sophie and Jennifer and Sam on my podcast, and I learn from all these great people coming through. So it's, it's kind of like built in. But before I did the podcast, I didn't really ha rely on mentors or coaches either. And I think there are a lot of people who fall into that category and 
unless you've got the habit going, that that's just another habit you kind of kind of you know push it along a little bit before you get it going. I mean, Sophie, you talked about how you've had it all your life. That that's all, that almost sounds easier. It's like it, well, it's always been there. Well, yeah, but I think the 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 danger is always when I can slip into the mindset of I've got it figured out mindset. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's always, I'm in a, it's much more, <sighs> being receptive to the wisdom that is not my own wisdom is, 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 is the most important thing. That's when I'm really carried whether that wisdom comes through somebody else or whether it comes through what I'm listening to in meditation, but it's really being receptive for that. And for me, it's really being humble enough to really go all the time. I, I need that because I, I need just as much as I love helping clients to see their blind spots and their stories. I need somebody to see mine as well because there are a lot of them. And the, and the day that I think, oh, I'm just, you know, spiritually realized and I don't have those anymore, that ain't happening in that lifetime for me. And, and I'm not sure that I would trust anybody who said that they were either. Um, so I just really enjoy being on this journey with, with, um, helping people, you know, who I can help and being helped by people who have, who are very skilled at doing that too. So it's just like a continual, beautiful sort of process. That, that's the researcher's curiosity, what you're describing. Mm, yeah, it is. It mm. is. It's absolutely. I am eternally curious mm. uh, to, to learning, to learning and growing constantly. That's a beautiful thing. I, I, I got to tell you, as usual, we have so many wonderful guests who come onto the show and we're continuing our track record here because you're also a really wonderful guest. Um, tell people a little bit about um, your your masterclass, because I know that that's something that you want to uh, encourage more and more people to take advantage of. Sure. It's um, it's it's a masterclass. It is. It's um, it's it's free. And you can just hop on, on onto my website and you can watch it. And on the masterclass, I just simply go over five, well, I call them the five essential shifts um, to for women to lose unwanted pounds and to thrive in optimal health. And, you know, the reason why I created these, uh, these shifts, because we talked a lot about shifts today, was that. I think sort of being in the wellness space and particularly when I did a lot of, you know, TV segments and seeing all of the, you know, gurus and experts and whatever, particularly, you know, new year, new you, this is, you know, what you need to do. And I, I really was able to sit back and research, research, observe and research. And I, that researching mind was like, ha, this isn't, this isn't working for most people. You know, so I'm, what does, what really does, and, and, and I found what works for me, I'm 58, so I'm, you know, kind of moved through a menopause and moved through a lot of those years of, of kind of dreading what might, that might hold for, Jennifer, you're just at the beginning of that journey. Um, 
And so that's, and, and that's really what it boiled down to. It's like, I've, I, you know, really did, did a lot of research on working with women. And I'm like, I, I believe that these are the five things that really matter when it comes to having a transformative result. That's fabulous. Well, got to thank you very much for joining us. Um, one thing I do want to tell you that uh, I tell to all of our guests, uh, because I think it's really, really important and it's not something that we get attention for, but we really should. You, like so many people, are a giver. And in your giving, you, there are many people you've never met, you'll never see, you'll never meet them, who have heard you on podcasts, uh, they've read your book, they've uh, taken part of your master class, they've done a variety of things, and, and you don't see what goes on with them. Yeah. But you've touched their lives and you've helped them in ways that, that you'll never know about, but you've helped them. And I think it's important to be recognized for that. So thank you on their behalf for all that you've been doing, for all those people you've never met and you'll never see. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was really beautiful. And I will absolutely receive that in my heart. So thank you. <laughs> and, and thank you for doing what you do and all of you. And just it's just such a delightful conversation to speak with like-minded like-minded and um and, and and i cannot get over your kitty cat is literally there now. <laughs> he is fully so, present he, almost he, looking into the camera he's totally present absolutely <laughs> totally present. he's yeah. so present yeah absolutely yeah. so one final thought jennifer i'm going to go to you for uh, the, the final thought for the day um i want you to try to tie together what we've been talking about if you put like a bow on top of it how would you tie everything together here today well, I think it's just not to be naive to the outside world, to respond to it authentically, to not be in denial of anything like you were saying earlier, right? Especially with, you know, only focusing in on the positive mantras and so on and so forth to, to really engage with life authentically, but then to self-reflect as opposed to deflect. So it's about going inside and, and truly wanting to heal from the inside out so that what we're seeing on the outside is no longer triggering us in the same way. That's beautifully said, beautifully mm. said. So thank you, Sophie Liano. Thank you, Jennifer and Sam. Thank you, live streamers. Thank you to podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye. Thank everybody. you. Thank you.